Hello and welcome to the Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson. The Local Leaders Podcast provides a platform for successful business owners to share their stories, their experiences, their advice, and their ideas in order to help our listeners achieve more success in their business and in their lives. Get ready. Another great show is coming up. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Jeff Johnson, the host of the Local Leaders Podcast, and uh, we want to welcome you to our show today. And we've got a um, two great guests uh, who are joining us today from Scratchboard Kitchen. Uh, we've got Grace Gowdy, and hey, Grace. Hello. And we've got Danielle Kean, uh, who's Hi. here as well. Thank you, guys, so much for taking time to join us today and and to share your story. And um, you know, we're all looking forward to learning more about Scratchboard Kitchen and and what you guys are all about. So I don't know which one of you may want to start, but I'd love to kind of hear the background and and how it came about. And um, and again, you know, kind of what what you do uh, for folks who may not be familiar with you all. Sure. Yeah, I can get started. This was a dream of mine for a really long time, and. There's, there's kind of different points we can start in the story, but I'll start with the point where we actually started putting the business together about, it was about four years before it opened back in 2015. I had been working on this, this business concept for a long time. I actually created the first version of this business plan when I was in college, oh, wow. which eventually evolved into Scratchboard Kitchen. After college, I studied, I studied marketing and entrepreneurship in college. And then after college, I realized I can't open a restaurant right out of college. I need money. I need experience. So I started working in marketing. I did media planning and buying, and I worked for some large agencies. And after I had my older son in 2015, I realized that that was the point to let's, let's follow these dreams and let's pursue this passion of mine that I had been dreaming about for so long. And so around that same time, we also moved out to Arlington Heights from downtown Chicago. And I had started looking at some spaces in the city. I was thinking about putting this concept in the city. And when we moved out to the suburbs, I saw this huge discrepancy between the dining options that are in the city and the dining options that are out here in the suburbs. And Mm -hmm. I shifted my mindset a little bit and I shifted my business plan and I decided to focus on opening this concept out here in Arlington Heights. And like I said, it was about a four year process from when I made that decision until when I actually got the keys in hand. Throughout this journey, I met Chef Grace, and she and I, as we got closer to the beginning of the opening, we started putting together this incredible concept. The dream was always to make it locally sourced, scratch-made, seasonally inspired. So we're working with about 30 local farms and providers, and that has been something that's been really important to us. It's something that Chef Grace has near and dear to her heart, working out in California, working for Thomas Keller. I'll let her talk about her background as well, but... It was just such a perfect fit between what I was looking to do and her background and her passion for it. So she and I connected, we started building our team, started getting our plans in place, started putting this incredible menu together, got the keys in January of 2020, planned to open in April of 2020, thought we had planned for every contingency possible, and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and, you are, so, and you are right dead set in the, in the, at the beginning of it too, right? There. Yes. First time to were, Yeah. <laughs> or some would say. Right, exactly. 
So it was a pretty crazy moment. I'll never forget that moment of we were sitting in our back room, construction was happening in the front room. We had our laptops out, we were putting plans together. It was kind of a normal day of working through what's coming next. How are we developing our menu? How are we thinking about all of these different components of the business? And we all sat and watched the, um, the, the news conference where Pritzker was talking about shutting down and not having any indoor dining. And we reached, I just remember sitting there and just kind of looking at each other and being like, what do we do now? So at that moment, we all kind of parted ways, cleared our minds, came back together and decided that there's really no option. We need to move forward. We need to proceed with what we're doing. We need to change our concept a little bit. So we really quickly took the menu, made it into a takeout friendly menu. We changed our staffing plan. We changed our business model. We got ourselves all set up to do curbside service and figured out packaging, figured out staffing for that type of a business model. And we opened as planned in April of 2020 with curbside service. And it was incredible. It was a really amazing experience. And we were able to still keep our, our mission front and center. We still thought it was really important to support those local farms and be able to bring in local produce, use local suppliers and support them at this time where they're losing a lot of business. A lot of restaurants are either closing their doors temporarily or permanently. Mm -hmm. So it was even more important than ever to keep these local providers front and center for us. At the same time, we also saw that what our guests needed was comfort. This was a really scary time for a lot of people. And all of a sudden the world changed and there was so much fear and everything was different about everyone's day to day. And so it was really amazing to be able to provide this one little moment of comfort where a lot of people said this was their one experience of the day where they got dressed and left the house and they drove to Scratchboard Kitchen and they got this really enjoyable meal that was not only comfort food, but was also created with these high quality locally sourced ingredients. Mm -hmm. And this created this incredible moment of joy in a way that we didn't anticipate, but we were so proud to be able to do it. That is, that, that's awesome. And, and what a great experience. And you're exactly right. I remember, you know, myself back in that time, um, you know, we were all fearful of, of what to do and uh, when we could do it and where we could do it at. And um, it was just nice to, after a week or two of being shut in, uh, it was so awesome to be able to go out again and, and at least have some options. And uh, again, it's a, it's a challenging time. You had to make a lot of changes, but congratulations on getting through it. Um, Grace, you want to you want to share a little bit about kind of your background and um, uh, your thoughts on on uh, the startup? Yeah, so I um, born and raised in the Chicagoland area. From there, I um, attended undergrad at the University of Missouri, where I got a degree in communications and hospitality management and food science. Um, I always knew culinary school was the route I wanted to go, but I was um, directed into the I was guided into the direction of going to traditional university, which I did. And then attended culinary school after, which was a smart move for me. I grew up a little bit and really realized my priorities and what I wanted to do. So I moved out to Napa, California and attended school at the Culinary Institute of America. From there, I was connected with some awesome chefs in the area, including Chef Thomas Keller, who I ended up taking a job with right out of culinary school. Um, I spent a couple of years at his more casual dining restaurant, Ad Hoc. Um, this concept menu changes every day. So I was um, quickly promoted into a leadership position where I got a ton of experience just creating different menus, taking stuff from the farm and really just getting creative with it and creating dishes that people love and is comforting and just something to make people really happy. 
from there, I went onto the French Laundry for a little bit and then decided it was time to come back home and um, kind of see what I can do in Chicago. So mm-hmm. after that, I took a year to travel and then met with Danielle and kind of the rest is history with Scratchboard Kitchen from there. Um, but as we're opening during the pandemic, obviously that's not something I would ever thought I would have to deal with, wasn't prepared for it. Um, you know, and I'm someone who I like to meet new challenges head on and I like to really make goals for myself and, and challenge myself to meet those goals. So not only is opening your first restaurant, um, something that's super exciting, but scary and challenging, add in a pandemic to that. And you have kind of just the formula for, for a huge challenge. Um, so, you know, I was going through this, the, the struggles of trying to get this restaurant open, but also adding, you know, this worldwide thing going on that no one knew how to deal with. Um, so, you know, as it's part of my job as a chef to learn how to roll with the punches. So, you know, you have things in the kitchen every day that are just challenging and you kind of have to think on your feet on how to deal with it. So I just applied those skills that I had practiced over the years to this pandemic situation and just kind of became very flexible and just made things happen that needed to happen, whether it was, you know, incorporating our, we did a dinner every week um, that was a takeout dinner. And obviously we're a brunch restaurant. So just trying to kind of be flexible with that and get those dinners rolling in order to make the income we needed and just being creative in different ways we can generate this income. Um, So, you know, opening the restaurant was great. It was challenging. It was awesome. But I think I learned more about myself um, in the process of opening during the pandemic and learned about myself as a leader, which is, you know, what we're here to talk to you about today. And, you know, I've always been a, a leader focused person. I've always held leadership roles, but being a leader in a time where people are scared and people need comfort and not just your guests, but your employees, that's, you know, was a very important um, skill to hone in on. So I found that the whole leadership aspect was super, has been super important in this last year and a half, um, just to, to ensure that your, your employees are, are feeling safe and your guests are feeling comfortable, but also having a good time. So that's kind of my takeaway on this entire kind of year and a half of madness. Yeah, well, that is, that's cool. Thank you for sharing that and, and your background and kind of all you've, all you've gone through um, from your training to, um, to actually open and opening this place up. And, um, you know, the first thing that strikes me is, um, you know, having to change your, your business model, essentially your staffing, your, your food, you know, your menu, um, right. you know, for, for either of you, how, I mean, how difficult was that to kind of swing it back to a takeout friendly menu? I think we did that quite a few times in the first couple of months. I mean, because the regulations kept changing and we we yeah. wanted to go with what the CDC was saying. I mean, that was the safest route to go and and they were the experts. They know what's going on. So we kind of swung back and forth as as we were told what to do. Um, so our, I think we went back and forth from takeout to to go and all that several times, um, which was frustrating. But, you know, we had to do what was best for our staff and our guests. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, yeah, I will say because we opened that way and because we opened with a challenge and with this mindset of needing to be flexible is we created this mindset and Chef Grace probably hates it because this has been my buzzword lately, this mindset of resilience. And so Mm -hmm. I think we actually got a little bit of a leg up and we started a business with this mindset that we can handle any challenge that comes our way because we've handled an unprecedented challenge that no one has an answer to. And we handled it multiple times. And so 
I sort of feel not that we're invincible, but that we have the tools and the capabilities to handle any challenge that does come our way. And so as things continue to evolve and as new challenges arise, staffing challenges and sourcing challenges and pricing challenges, and even just, you know, those discussions about masks and vaccines and how do we keep our guests safe, but also, you know, be cognizant of people that want a little more freedom. How do we balance all of these different pieces? I think we've been set up for success in that we know that we can handle anything that comes our way because we've really dealt with so much in just a year and a half. Yeah, it's a, it was a, I mean, it has been and continues to be, you know, very tumultuous. And um, again, you know, kudos to, to you guys for being able to pull it off uh, in this environment. Um, and and it's, it's not like you had a choice, right? <laughs> you had to make this thing work. Absolutely. Yeah, did. Uh, I'm curious as to whether you know you made these kind of um, I guess takeout friendly menu. Are you still is your menu still in that direction, or have you kind of pulled back toward more of your original concept on the menu? During this summer, we became um, from this summer till last summer, we were became increasingly busy with um, dine in. Mm -hmm. So I've been personally focusing on really getting our dine-in menu to really shine, but we still have to-go options and I select items that would, would carry well and be good for to-go. So you'll see that our menu for dine-in is a little bit larger than our to-go menu. Mm -hmm. um, and that's simply because I want the experience at home to match the experience at the restaurant in the terms of the food quality. And there's just certain items that just won't travel well. So, you know, we've adapted both sides and we're still getting steady business on both ends. Um, so, you know, can I answer your question? I don't know, Danielle, if you want to speak a little bit to that. Yeah, I, I do want to talk a little bit about some of our dine-in items that are really fun, like the Dutch baby and the shikshika and mm -hmm. some of the things that we did come back to that we tested in the beginning that we came back to that are, are really special for dine-in. Yeah. So like, for, for example, we have our, my version of biscuits and gravy. So it's a Dutch baby pancake, which is a souffle pancake. So obviously, you know, that won't travel well because by the time it gets home, it'll be like this big, you want to eat it fresh. You want to eat it when it's souffle and large and beautiful. Right. Um, and then you get a little bit of sausage gravy in there and an egg on top. So that's an example of something that is, is only for dining. So if you want to enjoy that, join us at the restaurant. Um, and then our shakshuka, which is a Spiced tomato sauce with eggs poached in the sauce. There's some lamb in there. Um, and that is also a dining only option that's cooked right in the skillet. Nice piping hot, molten hot tomato sauce. Um, so, you know, those are some things you'll have to come to the restaurant to enjoy, but you can still get our delicious breakfast biscuit sandwich, our fried chicken sandwich, um, eggs, bacon, all those options to go. So, um, you know, we're still balancing both ends pretty well. Yeah. Very, yeah. I want to come back to that in a second. Uh, I want to dig a little deeper on the on on the staffing piece, but I wanted to switch over to Danielle for for a minute, um, and and you know just ask or or maybe talk a little bit about um, you know you mentioned some of those challenges that we're facing with with staffing, with food prices, with um, food shortages. You know how is that impacting you guys today, and kind of how are you trying to work around it? Yeah, it's definitely impacting us in a really big way, I would say, especially from a kitchen standpoint, we've been understaffed in the kitchen for a while. And it's just a it's a unique environment. I think to say it's unprecedented has now become a cliche because it's been that way for so long. 
Um, but we're using every single recruiting resource that we have access to and that we can. And we're spending, Chef Grace specifically, spending a lot of time and effort interviewing, setting up stages, um, you know, working with working with stages when they're on site. And we have a lot of cases where people just don't show up or they don't call for their interview or they stage and we hire them and they never show up for their position or they come and work for a few weeks and never show up again Um, or come back several weeks later and ask if the job is still available. So it's just an environment that for me, this is all new because I haven't run a restaurant before, but even from working in restaurants, I don't remember this ever being the case where there was so much unreliability. And I think what's challenging is that we don't know what's coming next and we don't know how to continue to plan for that. But I will say we have a core crew of really amazing staff. We have Marcos, our sous chef, who is this 20 year old um, kind of culinary savant. He's just this amazing guy who's super talented. He's been with us from almost from the beginning. Um, so we have, we have this good group, but we just have a few open positions that have been open for a while and it's been really difficult to fill. And it's, like I said, not knowing when we'll be able to fill them has been challenging. So we've done a couple of things. We've raised our, our wages across the board. Everyone's making well above market value. We're offering health insurance and then optional vision and dental for all full-time employees and paying 50% of that. Um, we're doing daily family meals so that every time everyone's on site, they have a great meal that's been cooked by Chef Grace or someone on our team. We have dining discounts so they can get, you know, any of our menu items half off while they're on site. So we're trying to, to do all of these things that, that will entice our, our guests, but or will entice our staff. But beyond that, we also have Chef Grace, who is an incredible mentor, an incredible leader, an incredible teacher. So there's so much to offer. And I think once we get through the staffing crisis, I, you know, have been and will continue to be proud of the fact that we're offering something that is not currently available out here in the suburbs in terms of the work environment um, and the, you know, the the room for movement, the growth, the leadership, the opportunity to learn from someone like Chef Grace, who is so talented, in addition to being able to make what I'm proud to say is absolutely a living wage and have benefits on top of that. So, you know, it's, it's a challenge that we're trying to meet from all angles and I think it's actually a good thing that the industry is, is changing a little bit. Um, but, you know, I'm hoping that we'll get to a point where it's, this isn't where we're focusing so much of our effort. Yeah. It, there is a lot of effort in it from, from all um, business owners, especially on the, on the staffing side. And um, I'm, I'm curious kind of backtracking now back, um, back to grace. How are you, how, how much more complicated is the kitchen with having to kind of manage a um, on-site or, or dining menu and a to-go menu? Does that create a lot of additional complexity and how are you dealing with that? Yeah, I mean, you know, packing something to go, it takes a little bit longer than putting it on a plate because you have multiple components. You have to pack it into ramekins, this box, that box. So packing it to go does take a little bit longer, which adds to pickup times on the line. What I've done is I have to-go tickets come in with an appropriate amount of time to prepare that to-go order. Um, I've added more time to each to-go ticket in order to um, be able to get our dining tickets out first. So 
our to-go tickets, I think we have right now in 45 minutes, which is a lot longer than it would be to pick up that ticket for dine-in. But that gives us the time to be able to put the dine-in orders kind of at priority to get that food out a little bit faster. And then also has time to, to prepare the food, pack the food, and get through that whole process. So definitely it's been a learning curve. I've had to kind of adapt as I go because I've never worked in a place where I have this much to go orders in addition to dine-in orders. I mean, at one point last year, it was a 50-50 split, 50% to go, 50% dine-in, which is unheard of. Like usually for to-goes, you have a couple orders a day. Yeah. Um, so it's really just been kind of adapting and figuring out a method that works for our restaurant because we are, you know, we are a dine-in restaurant, but we're brunch service is a quick service. You have to go fast. And you have to match that through both experiences. Um, so I think that's been the biggest struggle is just having, you know, a board full of 50 tickets and 25 of them being to go and how to time that out and balance that. And in added challenges for the past about eight months, I've been um, fulfilling hourly positions, meaning I'm on the line working a station as well as expediting. And then sometimes I run around and have to pack these to go orders. So I'm fulfilling several different positions right now. Um, and so trying to balance all of that at once while we have 350 people coming into the restaurant to eat on a Sunday, it's, it's been wild, but you know, it's made me stronger as a chef, stronger as a leader and really pushed me to, to just make this restaurant more exceptional. So, um, you know, I don't mind a good challenge and this has only made me stronger in my professional career. So, um, I, I haven't minded trying to figure this out because I think it'll help me in the long run. It's, it's, you know, it's really like, uh, from, from hearing you describe it, especially when you talk about a 50, 50 split, it's like having, um, you know, two different restaurants in one. So it's, absolutely I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, the, the new thing now is the ghost kitchen piece and it's almost like you're doing your own ghost kitchen for the right. to go side, but, but well, you I think a big, a big piece to it talking about, um, product inflation, product prices is yeah. the to go containers. If you want to be sustainable and use a container, that's not going to ruin our universe you have to pay a good dollar for it. And that trying to figure out that piece and how we can make the restaurant afford these to-go boxes while not increasing our prices a whole lot has also been a huge conversation we have ongoing. And, you know, in the world of takeout the past year and a half, these to-go box companies have inflated their prices hugely. And, you know, trying to figure out how to balance that with our pricing in addition to, you know, beef pricing going up, egg pricing going up, every single price going up, yep. trying to, to incorporate it into the food costs, but also make it to where people can afford the food. <clears throat> That's been a huge conversation and a big challenge that I know a lot of my peers are facing. Yeah, and absolutely. is is a difficult time and, and trying to figure that out and, and, and you're trying to reduce cost everywhere you can. But again, you got labor that's pushing your, your overall prime costs up. You've got um, cost of goods or food prices, um, you know, yeah, I think I'm ruining it. So I'm sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. A huge piece to it too is, you know, people are so excited to come back out and eat, eat out <laughs> at restaurants again. But I think the public understanding of what's going on is really important. And I don't think there's enough education out there to let the public know, hey, this is what's going on in the food industry. People assume, okay, pandemic, we're at the who knows when this thing's going to be over, but you know, mm -hmm. we, there's vaccines out there. There's things out there to help the situation. And I think the public knowledge is okay. This thing's nearing the end. Restaurants are okay again. But in my opinion, this is the time we need help the most. This is the time we need the understanding the most. 
we need people to know like the, this is why our prices have, have gone up. This is why we're dealing with this situation. This is why service is a little bit slower because we have a quarter of the amount of people than we're supposed to have right now. And I think that public knowledge and that public education about what is going on in the industry is super, super important. Yeah, and, and we're hopeful that we'll, we'll be able to help with that because, you know, that is a big piece of it. And, um, you know, we all experience, uh, well, you know, all restaurants have different levels of service. And, um, you know, the, the challenge is, you know, the wait times and, and sometimes things take a little longer because you don't have the staffing for it. Prices are higher because of the, the cost issues. Um, so the level of service is, is that you're accustomed to providing is really difficult today because of those of those challenges. And, and I think some people get it. Some consumers uh, get it and understand it. And, you know, some of us try to tip bigger and, and try to be more patient and all that kind of stuff. And um, but others don't. So <laughs> it creates some frustrations, um, you know, out there. And um, and hopefully we'll be able to help educate some people and. Uh, help them to be a little, little uh, nicer when it comes to working with our food service industry. Yeah, um, and for us, we found some ways to try to keep service really, you know, at the top of our game. So we've been limiting how many covers we sit for 15 minutes. We've started enabling ordering caps for takeout orders, which wasn't even an option. Um, we use totes for a payless system. That was an option that came about throughout the pandemic as takeout started becoming more more prevalent. So we've started to enact some of these different these different caps, which is great, and that's really helped. Of course, our numbers suffer because of that. But for us, it's really important that we keep that experience at the the top level that it can be, and that's the same case with our ingredients too. So as these costs of of ingredients go higher. We don't want to sacrifice the quality of our food items. We don't want to go away from local sourcing just because it's getting more expensive. So that's a constant discussion we're having too is how do we raise our prices in order to accommodate these additional costs that are coming in and still not sacrifice quality and still keep our mission front and center. So this is something that we're, we're constantly working on. We're constantly adjusting. We're constantly trying to figure out what that right balance is. And, it's, and I mean, that's the that's the big one. What is the right balance? And, um, you know, have you guys made adjustments on the pricing side just to cut to the chase? We have. Yeah. And we've because we use these high quality locally sourced ingredients, we were already a little bit on the higher end. I would certainly say we're not that much higher than um, some of the restaurants out here in the suburbs. We're definitely in line with city pricing. But as these different pricing um as these different ingredients have been priced higher, we've had to increase some of our prices as well. But, you know, again, we're trying to find the ways that we can do it without it being such a huge increase. Yeah. Had, you know, I just, it made me, that made me think of a question and it and didn't really prep you for it, but, but kind of on the analytics side or the marketing side of who are your customers? Do you find, I mean, have you been able to, are you getting a lot of repeat business, repeat customers? Is that a big part of your business or um, do you have a lot? And you, you know, just talk, talk to me a little about that. I'm just curious. Yeah, we have a lot of really amazing regulars. We've kind of created this, I don't know if you'd say like a sort of mini cult following that Chef Grace has developed with her, with her food. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of regulars that are there every week, multiple times a week and supported us throughout the pandemic, supported us when we were in takeout, supported us as we opened for partial dine-in supported us as we went back in a takeout and now we're back dining in with us regularly. So that's really special. And then in addition to that, as, as word grows and as momentum grows about what we're doing and the excitement grows about 
um, you know, our business and, and word of mouth continues to snowball, we're getting a lot of, of new guests as well. So um, we started taking reservations this year. Last year, we were doing just walk-in and we were getting up to two-hour wait lists on Saturdays and Sundays. So this year, we're doing reservations. And then we take some walk-ins in addition to that. And that's really helped create a better experience and, um, you know, kind of help corral some of this demand, which is, yeah. is really awesome and really fun to see. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it, there's so many points there to talk about. Reservations, for one, are you using third party? Or are you? Um, We're using TAC. Okay. Um, how about on, I was going to ask you something earlier when Chef Grace was talking and I, it just left me, but from a, from a, I'll, I'll stick with the marketing piece for a second until it comes back. You know, it's early in the week and the brain is still, still trying to get going. But um, if we're on the marketing side, can, can, could you share just a little bit? I mean, that's your background and, and all that, but what are you, are you doing at number one? Because a lot of restaurants have cut back significantly on their marketing because they had enough demand and uh, didn't need more. Um, so you know, are you doing it? And if so, kind of what, what is the, the mix for your marketing side? Sure. Yeah. Like you said, my background's in marketing. So this is a part that's really near and dear to my heart. I've kept it primarily organic. So I'm doing, we have an email list and that's been our number one marketing tool. We always get immediate response from our email list. The open rates are high, the click-through rates are high. So that's been my, my go-to whenever we have important information or like Chef Grace said, when we were doing those dinners, we did family meals, I would send out an email and we'd be sold out pretty quickly. So my email list is my number one go-to and that just continues to grow as our as our guests sign up to be a part of our email list to find out what's going on and what's coming up next. I'm also a big believer in social media, of course. So, um, you know, we have our, I probably spend the most time on Instagram. I do also spend some time on Facebook, but I really prefer to use Instagram. I love that visual component of it and the storytelling piece of it. Um, so that's been, that's really been my focus. But other than that, I've done a few little paid and promoted posts here and there. I did some, some paid search, but really it's, it's primarily organic marketing at this point. And it's mostly word of mouth, to be honest. I would say the majority of our guests that come in heard about us from a friend. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's what you want, right? It is what I want. Yeah. Or, <laughs> exactly. Organic is the best because it's the easiest and it's the cheapest. Uh, mm -hmm form of, of getting out there so that you know the trick is is to to make sure that your your guests are talking and all that and um are, are, are you handling all the reputation management piece as well the for um, now yes yeah it's i mean there's so many different things you got to deal with and and put out there and and you know i think a lot of different people especially on the um customer review side it's still a critical component for restaurants uh but i'm starting to see some people thinking less of of that review piece uh, instead of more. And I'm not sure what the right direction is, but um, you know, there's the, the non five-star reviews have been increasing, um, you know, because customers' expectations, uh, you know, their patience and all that is, is being tested in some places. So the, the scores are, you know, going down in general. Um, and, and there's just a, you never know who's actually reviewing you because, you know, maybe they didn't even show up. They didn't come to the restaurant and they still jump on there and leave a, a bad review. So anyway, that's a tangent. Um, one of the things that, that frustrates me, if, have you seen any of that or everything? Yeah. And I would say I have, I keep a really close eye on our Yelp, <laughs> yeah. um, and then our Google reviews and the vast majority of them are very positive. And 
I've, I have a love hate relationship with it. I think because we do get a lot of five-star reviews and that's wonderful. And I love to share it with the team. It's always great to get good feedback, but it is also important to take a look at those one-star or two-star reviews when they come in, because whether the experience is true or not, or whether it's a perception, that's an experience that somebody had. And that's something that we can learn from and we can make an adjustment and we can reach out to this person and I never, I always want everyone to have a great experience at Scratchboard. The whole goal is for this to be an incredible experience that feels special and feels different from what else you get out here. And if someone didn't have a great experience, I want to know about that in whatever format. And I want to see if I can fix it and if we can learn from it. Yeah. And, and, and of course, communicating that and making sure that uh, Chef Grace has all that information for kitchen staff. Do, do y'all like do a Monday morning meeting kind of thing or how do y'all Wednesday morning. Yeah. <laughs> what, what yeah we have a we have a management meeting every Wednesday morning okay, where we Wednesday sit down morning. and we review the previous week and we talk about our status items for the for the upcoming week. Always always something on the schedule, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, you know, that's that's a lot of information. I'm just trying to I'm trying to back backtrack. Oh, I know what I was gonna ask ask y'all earlier. I don't know which one of you want to take it, but but I'm back backtracking again and, and I'm talking third party delivery. Are, are you guys doing delivery service? And I guess it's the first good question. We are. Um, that was one of the pieces that was not originally part of the plan. And when we went into that lockdown the first time, we started researching how to do delivery in a way where it doesn't just totally wipe out our profits. So we're actually doing delivery through Toast. Um, They do a, um, they use DoorDash for delivery. So we have started doing that and it gets challenging, I think, because you lose so much of the control. You know, there's so much time and effort that goes into creating this beautiful dish that's then put in a box. And then we have no control over what happens to it. At least if we're handing it to a guest, we know when they're receiving it, we know that they've received it and we know what condition it's in when it gets there. But with delivery, there's so many more challenges. So it's something we're doing out of necessity, but I wouldn't say it's something that that I really love doing. Yeah, it's it's no fun whatsoever. And, and trying to keep your cost down on that is tremendously difficult. Um, and after the show, I'm, I'm going to send you a link to, um, I just learned yesterday from um, one of our guests uh, about, a, about a middleware, a third-party uh, provider who, um, you know, it, which can integrate with toast and it might be something that you'll be interested in in terms of being able to create a delivery menu with differentiated pricing, Mm. Um, which- Are you, yeah, are you seeing that a lot of your, a lot of the owners are creating a different pricing menu for takeout, higher costs uh, for delivery? Yeah, I think that's that's definitely the trend because, you know, the DoorDash and all those guys are taking, you know, 30% or, or whatever the number happens to be. Uh, but it's high, as you well know, and, um, and you know you can't pass but so much on to the to the consumer, and it's it's just really a challenging thing. So they've um, you know typically I think with Toast and many of the POS systems, you know, they, and the delivery services don't want you to have a different price, you know, and uh, that's been a, been a challenge. But uh, this middleware software might be something you can look into. I haven't dug into it. I just heard it yesterday, so uh, I, I say that. Um, you know, something you need to, to check out, but I'll send you that that website and um, you can see what they're all about and see if it might be something you can utilize with your Toast POS to um, to maybe recover a few percentage points anyway on your delivery items. Cool. 
Um, okay, that totally took me out of, uh, off course again, didn't it? Chef Grace, you still with us? I am. I know I left you hanging there for a few minutes. Sorry about that. Oh, it's okay. Hey, um, you know, we often talk about, um, and I'm, I'm just looking down at the time here because I realized I've been, I've been talking a lot longer than I thought. Um, but I, I just want to touch on, on maybe one other thing, and, and that's kind of the, the development, staffing development, employee development. Um, you know, from, from a leadership perspective, and this is a good question for both of you, um, you know, what are you guys doing to try to develop you know, future leaders you know, within the company? Yes, I can kind of start with that. So I, I essentially grew up in an environment, and I say grew up by, in my career, um, working for Chef Thomas Keller. Mentorship was something that has always been one of the most important things in uh, Thomas Keller's restaurant group. Mm -hmm. So as a young cook, I was taken under the wing of people who are still my mentors to this day, not only to show me the up, ins and outs of the restaurant and cooking and all that, but taking it a level beyond that and developing the, the cook as a person, not the cook as cook. That makes sense. Oh, so yeah, I like that. As a person in a way that, you know, we're learning how to move in a kitchen. We're learning how to speak in a kitchen, how to be professional in a kitchen, essentially taking this craft that used to be a, a trade job and making it into a professional career and developing the person from the ground up in that sense. Um, so, you know, that is, is mentorship in that sense is what I've always known in my career and something that I hold very important as well, because it works. If I hadn't had these individuals to essentially shape me in that way, I would not be the person I am today. Um, so I truly believe creating um, that mentorship and kind of forming that leader from the inside out is more important. If you have good morals, good values, and you know how to, to have your head on your shoulders, the cooking will come. Cooking's not that hard. Anyone can do it if you know the proper skills um, and that will come with time. I find the developing the person to be more important. So I, like I that. take I like that. that approach rather than, you know, I'm not a chef that will get in your face and yell. That's not my style. I don't believe in that. I'm more so focused person to person. If one of my employees or team members makes a mistake, I'm not going to, I'm not going to focus on the negative aspect of it. You have to say, Hey, you did this wrong, but also build them back up. So I really take those methods to, to build my team. And I think personally it works. It garners respect for yourself and for your team members. Um, and it, it makes a position that was, you know, sometimes being a young cook is scary and you're afraid of the people above you. And I don't believe in that, in that approach. Um, you want to make it a, a warm and comforting environment and almost nourish those individuals and develop them. And, you know, I just find that that method really, really works. So that's the approach I take. And I've incorporated that into our restaurant and it seems to be working. I mean, as Danielle mentioned, my sous chef Marcos has been with us since last year and he, you know, is a young cook and is really into, into cooking, but also developing and seeing him develop as a person along the way and mature in that sense has been mm -hmm. really enriching. Um, awesome. so, yeah. So I, I've been incorporating that into our restaurant. Danielle, if you want to speak to to the other side a little bit. Sure, yeah, and I, I will just say that that was really beautifully said and I see that in action every single day. And I am so, like I mentioned this before, but I'm so proud to be able to have that type of an experience for our, for our, for our staff. And I think that's really special. That's not something that exists in a lot of places. I really see you caring about your team and 
wanting to watch them grow and setting them up for success and giving them new challenges in ways where they are set up to actually accept that challenge and succeed in it. So I think that's really cool. From my perspective, I it's kind of interesting because the way that, that the restaurant has developed in terms of our team, I was a lot more involved in the day-to-day operations than I planned on being throughout the pandemic. And as we were, you know, as we had to cut back on staff and as I had to step into some hourly roles myself and into a management position for a short time. And now that I'm at a point where we are fully staffed up, we have this incredible general manager who worked for some really amazing restaurants in Chicago. And she's been on board now for a while and she's running her team really well. I'm at a point where I'm trying to step back a little bit and really let Chef Grace and let our general manager run their teams and run the restaurant and be leaders within their own teams. And my my goal as a leader is to not micromanage and just step back and get to a point where I'm not working in the business, I'm working on the business and I'm starting to focus on other projects outside of this business as well and put my team in a place where I'm always supporting them and I'm helping them think through what their goals are in the future and what are their what are their long-term motivations and how do I get them there? And if it's not within this space, how do I help them get to a point where they've learned everything they can learn within this space so they can move on to something else, whether it's with me or without me. And that's something that I'm really proud of. And I think in terms of all of the different pieces of my job, one of the pieces I love the most is watching my team grow and watching their team grow underneath them. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome to be able to, you know, to create leadership kind of downward and, and watch those, watch people grow, um, you know, whether they're young or whether they're old to, to being able to become better leaders themselves. I mean, you're basically just building a bench so that uh, you'll have people available to move up. And, yeah. you know, I think that, you know, what, what Chef Grace said earlier, you know, that whole piece about, um, you know, about the way she's leading that team, I think that's a great way, a, a great recruitment poster, you know, if you could get all that into a poster. Uh, but it's a great tool for recruiting because who doesn't want to be treated that way? Um, I love it, Grace. That was awesome. Um, and and also, you know, people need, uh, you know, people need or desire or want to have a path forward. And, you know, if the business isn't growing, isn't expanding, isn't, isn't doing different things, or, or you may, maybe you're opening up, you know, other opportunities, you know, maybe different uh, concepts, uh, but whatever you're building, the, you know, bench strength so that you can pull those people when you need them. And, and it's, you know, that's a recruiting slogan as well, because uh, again, who doesn't want to have somewhere to go? That's my spiel. Growth is <laughs> uh, you, you guys are awesome. I, I really enjoy talking to you. And, and um, again, a time has slipped, slipped away from me. So I, I kind of want to wrap it up and, and just maybe ask each of you to um, just share one or two or, or three, whatever you kind of have, have in your, in your head now, uh, pieces of advice that, that you might give uh, other restaurant owners or other chefs, other leaders, you know, in, in the restaurant space. Uh, just a couple of pointers or key pieces of advice you would you would share with them to help them find more success in their business. I can start. Um, I think the word adaptability is very important in when you're a chef leading a restaurant. Um, you have to be able to, as I said before, roll with the punches and kind of deal with what you're given. If you're not adaptable, especially in the restaurant setting, I I don't know how I would have survived and moved forward um, with a semi, um, you know, cohesive brain. Um, 
So I think being able to, to pivot and adapt is just, especially this day and age now, um, is extremely important and a huge focus that people need to have. And, and you, you lived that life uh, just yeah. last year, right? If it, if, it, if it weren't for your flexibility, adaptability, uh, resilience, persistence, uh, you guys would have never got this thing going. So congratulations on that. How about you, uh, Ms. Danielle? Well, I would say there's, there's a lot of different pieces of advice I think I would give at this phase. And the one piece of advice I would not give that was given to me was don't do it. Don't open a restaurant because that was the number one thing that people told me anytime I asked for advice. And, you know, I think you need to follow your passion and do what makes you happy because any, anytime there's passion and anytime there is somewhere you're putting your focus and you're, you're putting your efforts, it's going to be successful based mm -hmm. on that. Um, but I would say in terms of advice, the piece of advice, and this is kind of obscure, but the piece of advice that I always got from my dad, anytime I would have a hard time if I was working on my math homework or I was having a hard time really kind of wrapping my mind around a challenge, he would always say, draw a pretty picture. And for me, that's a, a means of sort of reframing the problem in a different way, taking a step back, looking at it differently, looking at it from a different angle, maybe even just literally writing it out or drawing it out and thinking about it that way. So that's something that's always stuck in my head. Anytime I'm faced with a challenge, how do I think about it differently? How do I take a moment, step back, not be reactive? How do I draw a pretty picture in a way where I can wrap my mind around the problem and think about the challenge differently? I love that. I love that. That's, uh, that, that's awesome. And a uh, nice personal touch to it. And um, yeah, I, I get it. And I think all of our listeners will as well. <clears throat> uh, let me let me finalize that with or uh, wrap that up by just kind of asking you, Danielle, what's next? Um, you know, you, have you got other projects in mind? Have you got projects moving forward? Are you focused specifically on Scratchboard right now? And, and yeah, I definitely anything that, have. I'm sorry, Andrew, I was going to say anything <laughs> that you can share that isn't confidential at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, I have other projects in mind. Um, nothing solidified yet, but I'm, I want to continue with this goal of A, bringing more great dining out to the suburbs and out beyond just those little clusters where it exists in, in downtown Chicago. And B, I have a goal of continuing to work with great chefs like Chef Grace and giving them opportunities to bring their talent to life in a way where they aren't currently. So um, yeah, I think I'll always have another project in the back of my mind and we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. Well, uh, again, you guys are awesome. I, I really, I really love the passion and the the resilience that you've had to show to get where you are today. Uh, you've got a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, the menu looks awesome and and unbelievable. Um, for those, uh, you know, we will be putting your menu, your menu, your website up, but it's uh, scratchboardkitchenah.com. Um, for those that, uh, that are listening and, uh, and can't see the video. So uh, please check it out. Um, it's, it's, um, it just makes me hungry. And it's lunchtime here where I'm at almost. <laughs> Whether it's breakfast or lunch, uh, you guys have got it covered. And, um, you know, any, uh, anybody in your area, um, you know, I, I hope that anyone hearing this, this uh, podcast will um, Think about Scratchboard Kitchen, and if you haven't been there in a while, get back over there and, and enjoy a meal with these guys. Uh, and for those of you who've never had the opportunity, uh, I encourage you to do that as well, and, and go check them out um, and, and see what, uh, what Chef Grace has cooked up for you today. Thank you guys so much for, um, 
for taking the time to be on the show today and for sharing your experiences and, and your knowledge and all that you've been through in such a short period of time. Um, the entrepreneurial grind is not easy, is it? No. <laughs> well, well, y'all, y'all have, have done it successfully and, and I look forward to your continued success and, um, and I know you're going to do well. So again, thank you to both of you for being on our show today. Thanks, Jeff. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and for all our listeners, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Local Leaders Podcast. I'm Jeff Johnson, your host, and I'll be looking forward to seeing you on our next episode. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Local Leaders Podcast. You can find us at www.jeffzpodcast.com or jeffzjohnson.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening and be sure to come back every Monday and Wednesday for our next episode.